Hey, first readers, a quick word before we start. We have really had a great time doing first reading over these past few years. We'd love to see it expand. You can support us not only by listening and sharing, but by making an online donation. On our website, firstreadingpodcast.com, there's a great big donate button that will let you make a one-time donation, or you could set up a recurring monthly gift. For any first readers who set up a recurring $5 or more donation, we will send you a first reading coffee mug. Thanks, friends. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast where dorks unite on all things Bible. I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies, Queen of Dorks, Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. <laughs> and I'm Rosie Candethel, a PhD candidate and a presumable dork as well in Hebrew <laughs> Bible at Emory University. Our debonair co-host in <laughs> McNinch is off this week. So Rachel and I are going to bring you preaching tips on the first reading for October 9th, 2022, which is 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and verses 7 through 15c. <laughs> um, another mishmash of text for you, Rachel. I know, right? <laughs> So I didn't mind the last mishmash so much in Amos because a lot of folks think that those couple of verses that are cut out in the lectionary are actually a later insertion. So I can see that I can kind of get on board with that. But this one in particular just makes absolutely no sense to cut out verses four, five, and six. And in fact, it weakens the story. So first readers, do everyone a favor and just place those verses back in the story where they belong. Right on. I'm amen right here in the choir. <laughs> so where are you going to take our first readers through this text today? Well, first of all, I have to give you credit for today's episode, Rosie. Huh? How? Well, so when I started reading the text, the first character out the bat is a young slave girl. Uh-huh. And I thought immediately of the episode you did in May on Acts 16. Hmm. In that text, a slave girl has a spirit of divination and she brings her owners a lot of money by fortune telling. That spirit is cast out of her by Paul because he's annoyed for whatever reason, and her owners lose their means of income. Paul and Silas are seized, cast into jail. There's an earthquake that opens the jail doors. The jail warden thinks they're going to escape, so he almost kills himself. But Paul's like, no, 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 we're still here. So everybody gets baptized. You know the drill. What you did, Rosie, in that episode that I thought was brilliant was focus our attention back on the originating character, the slave girl. Most commentators think that the slave girl is like a jumping off point for the rest of the story, like little more than a rhetorical strategy. You made a stop and really see her. You gave her the attention she deserves as a real character in this text. So I decided to try and do the same for the slave girl in this Second Kings 5 text as well. Wow. I can't wait to see what that leads to. What does focusing on a slave girl here in Second Kings lead you to? Oh my gosh, it led me to a really mm-hmm. interesting realization and insight about the way this text is focusing on voice, on who has voice, and what happens in God's world when unexpected people use their voice. Oh, this is awesome. Okay, take us into it. All right. So, Much like the Acts 16 text, commentators mostly focus on Naaman the Aramean as the main character of the text. Quick side note, Israel and Aram, or Aramea, were neighboring countries that vied for power in the region. You can kind of think of like neighboring Spain and France when they were competing over their shared border territories, that Basque region. 
So the text takes pains to establish the importance and influence of Naaman, repeatedly calling him an Ish Gadol and Gibor Chayil, an influential man and a powerful warrior. Naaman's prominent status makes his skin disease not just an inconvenience, but a liability to his power. And how do powerful people deal with their liabilities, Rosie, especially ones that trigger their shame? Hmm. Usually not very well, usually by eliminating any threats to exposure. Yeah. Yes, right. So often, exactly, they try to manage the situation. They try to control the uncontrollable Mm -hmm. by controlling anything that they can. Naaman does exactly this thing when he appears before Elisha, Elisha, for healing. He's dressed to impress, quite literally, see 2 Kings 5, verse 5. Naaman struts up to Elisha with all of his wealth on display and with horses and chariots at his fingertips. Another quick side note, horses and chariots in the ancient Near East were not just show. They were war machines. They were the tanks of the time. Unable to control his own body, Naaman instead tries to manipulate the terms by which he will receive help. He brings the tools he needs to either woo the help from the Israelites or to force it if necessary. Hmm. All right. And as you've depicted it, right, Naaman is in the driver's seat. Yeah, you got it. And he's taught a great lesson about humility. It's a great story. But reading it only there as this interaction between Elisha and Naaman actually remains at the surface level of the pericope and ignores what the text really takes pains to highlight. Humility is not actually the only point of this passage. The interplay between this Ish Gadol and those of lesser status around him draws out the real preaching point of this story, one that revolves around a dynamic of listening and speaking. Listening and speaking. And we really see this in the first two kind of quote unquote minor characters that show up in this text. So Rosie, who are the first two people actually mentioned besides Naaman in this story? Right. Well, it looks like the Israelite slave girl and her Aramean mistress, Naaman's wife. Right. Right. Neither of them have names. Yeah, I know. I hate that. So let's call them Tabitha, the mistress, and Anna, the slave girl. I like it. They get names. Okay. So Anna, the slave girl, takes pride of place when it comes to speaking. That she is the first person to speak seems remarkable. That she actually speaks at all and is quoted in the text speaking is extraordinary. The exceptional nature of this attention and honor that the text gives to Anna are really easy to miss. Um, So let me kind of break it down for you in the Hebrew. Anna is described as a na'ara, a girl. There are only four people who are called na'ara, girl, and who are quoted as speaking in the Hebrew Bible. First is Rebecca in Genesis 24. The second is Ruth in Ruth 2. Then we have Esther in Esther 2. And here we have Anna, the slave girl, the na'ara. Wow, that's Quite a pattern, right? So we've got the Genesis matriarch, Rebecca, the great grandmother of King David, Ruth, Esther, the queen, and then truly the slave girl. Yes, exactly. Who we've named Anna. Who we've named Anna. Exactly. These are the only people in the Bible who are A, specifically called Naara, and B, who explicitly use their voice in the Hebrew Bible. Anna, the slave girl, who is no longer in control of her life and liberty, exercises her voice. Anna refuses to be in bondage to silence. 
And Anna's courage in speaking has an astonishing effect on those around her. Her mistress, Tabitha, first of all, listens to her. Mm. Second of all, she then amplifies the voice of this girl, this slave, by bringing Anna's words to her husband. Third side note, Tabitha's recitation to her husband is not included in the text, but it can be assumed because there's no other way that Naaman would have heard Anna's words. Naaman then listens both to his wife and to this girl, this slave, and brings her words to the king himself, who listens as well. <laughs> this is remarkable. <laughs> Naaman's true. first lesson in humility is not on Elisha's doorstep, but on his own, where he listens to his wife and his slave, and he honors both of their voices. Before humbly washing in the Jordan, Naaman has to learn to listen to the humble around him. Wow, the ones closest to home, yeah, right? Right. I could see, and that's, uh, yeah, I could see some very good sermon possibilities here. Mm. Um, like preachers could ask their congregants about who they identify with in this text. Yes. Are they that Ish Gadol who is called to healing through listening to the lowly of society? Mm. Are they that Tabitha? called to both listen and speak, amplifying the voices of those who would otherwise go unheard? Mm -hmm. Or are they perhaps that Anna from the lowest ranks of society called to speak up, to use their voice, to say, and to claim their ideas and their right to be heard? Oh, exactly. I love that idea. Just, you know, asking people who they are in this text. That's, that's fantastic. And I mean, it's really too bad that that it cuts off at 15 feet <laughs> because it's like, it's like the high point of the whole text. It, it, it's the whole shocking impact of Anna's speech. Naaman, this Ish Gadol now knows that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Hmm. Who else do you suppose came to faith in God because of this act of healing? What healing for Anna might've occurred because of her determination to speak the blessings and new life in this story all happened because the slave, the girl, Anna, was willing to use her voice and because people listened. And I think you could really have fun with that, preachers. Yeah, especially because preachers are not always the first to listen. Yes. They're often the ones that are speaking, oh, right? Truth so, bomb, truth bomb. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that'll wrap us for this week. I hope you got a lot from that as I did. Thanks so much for listening. And if you liked it, send this episode along to a friend. Thanks to our supporters, including Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And hey, maybe you too. We love to interact with our listeners, so drop us a note on the Facebook page or send an email to firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Rosie Candible. And I'm Rachel Wren. Blessings, first readers. Blessings, first readers.